Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 142 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is about COVID-19, the new compliance and risk framework. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, today. I uh, hope everybody is uh, staying healthy, safe. Uh, hopefully we're making some progress and uh, businesses, more and more business ca- can reopen safely and uh, everybody will feel some sort of sense of uh, order again. But please stay safe, stay f- healthy. We're, uh, we're here to help and anything that you need from the Volkoff Law Group here, happy to provide uh, any support you may need. Anyway, uh, before we get started, let's take a listen to our sponsor, which is Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to Promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management. Investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's Compliance Solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Okay, I thought we, uh, you know, it's been a topsy-turvy world uh, for obvious reasons, and I thought it would be helpful to take another look at uh, the new, what I call, risk profile in the post-pandemic world. Um, and uh, obviously, this is subject to change as things develop, as businesses adapt, uh, and if, in fact, we're able to develop a vaccine, uh, lots of things will change. But uh, for the moment, let's look at what our, our risk profile really um, you know, reflects in terms of business, uh, in terms of just issues that, you know, theoretically, we've always... Um, had concerns about, but now we're seeing uh, the real impact of sort of crisis management and crisis issues. So um, I did a webinar on this, and it's available, uh, and it's a more um, sort of fulsome discussion of this issue with slides. Uh, it's available on Volkoff Law TV. It's eight dollars for you know thirty days of access uh, to the webinar, to the recording. But I wanted to also do a 
shorter version of a shorter version of a podcast just to uh, get some of the thoughts out there on as you approach your risk profile and making sure you address it. Because there have been significant changes, I think, to every business's risk profile. First off, the when you start with just the impact of COVID-19 across your business, what the two biggest concerns are obviously safety and health concerns and the shutdown and your business continu continuity. Uh, who's an essential employee? What functions are essential for the business? Uh, and compliance with any sort of uh, state or uh, order with regard to shutdown uh, requirements. Um, this requires a lot of sort of coordination with federal, state, and local government. The second issue that comes uh, that I just mentioned was business continuity. What's the impact on your ability to produce to your supply chain and your distribution chain and your customer contracts, your vendors and suppliers? Are you going to be able to sell your products anymore or what kind of uh, how are you going to adapt to that in this new uh, workplace situation and production uh, model? Uh, a lot of companies have gone through a pretty uh, extensive force majeure analysis. Uh, and as business continuity, you have to, the board and senior management have to examine what's your access to capital, liquidity, credit, debt expenses, and what your short and long-term perspective looks like. Now, some things haven't changed. And I, I don't mean to uh, say that these aren't important or whatever. These are actually principles that are very important uh, and that survive even in this sort of pandemic world play, world economy. Crisis management uh, is critical and we've all, every company should have exercised some type of crisis management scenario that hopefully was planned for in advance. Uh, but, you know, there, your crisis management plans had to adapt to the pandemic as well. For example, virtual meetings, security concerns that may come up into that, health concerns about getting the board together. Um, you have to prioritize your issues in terms of safety and health, business continuity, financial viability, like I've discussed, but also internal and external communications are critical. How are you communicating to your employees? How are you communicating to your stakeholders? How are you communicating to the external, the public, uh, and your community? Ethical business decisions are even more important now. And here you have to, there's a role that leadership has to play here to reassure employees and stakeholders. Uh, and that is to make sure that your current values are working, but also to acknowledge the disruption and grief, the empathy that's needed for everybody uh, because of the impact that this has had, almost every family is touched in one way or another. Uh, and leadership sacrifice has to be, and leadership commitment has to be demonstrated. Sacrifices will be made across the organization, but ethical business decisions and prioritizing your stakeholders. Who are your stakeholders? Who do you have to address first? Uh, are your shareholders' values more, or the shareholder concerns more important than your employee concerns? How do you balance those concerns? Well, ethical business decision frameworks give you the ability to do that and to deal with these hard issues. So ethical business decision making is really important. And why? Because we want to promote and reinforce trust, that our trust, whatever we had, is 
still continuing. And if anything, we need to even emphasize this even more. Trust and safety is everything uh, right now. And we have to be honest and open and transparent about that. Uh, contingency plans have to be put in place and have to be openly discussed. Uh, in terms of the ability to, for example, let's say, bring in workers with social distancing rules, how can we maximize production in those types of situations? Uh, many companies have um, suffered serious supply chain uh, uh, disruptions uh, that have caused delays and had a financial impact, and how are we going to address that? The other important point that still continues, no matter what, is employee engagement. If we don't encourage employee reporting, if we don't explain that it's even more important now in this pandemic, uh, that we need to know what their concerns are. We need to hear if there are safety concerns, please raise them. There are so many issues that can come up in the workplace, particularly with remote workers, where people have less and less contact with each other where learning something or hearing about something is important to report. Um, so this is even more important uh, in this context. So let's now look at what are some of the significant risk changes. First, at the top of everybody's list is ensuring health and safety of our workplace. And that means for a safe workplace to address COVID-19, we have to put in place uh, a set of controls or a set of rules that are going to ensure the safety of our workplace. Now, there are many ways to do that. There's OSHA guidance, which is out there right now, but people are preparing or setting out a policies and procedures that are called an infectious disease preparedness and response plan. I call it the IDRIP, but I know that's probably not the right way to call it. But the IDRIP is important. Uh, there's OSHA guidance on it. There's guidance, for example, with regard to different industries, uh, and we have to develop workplace-specific plans based upon the, the number of workers and the job tasks at a particular site, the individual risk factors, like what's the uh, age profile, uh, if there are medical conditions in a workforce, we need to know about that. Uh, we also need to know what is going to be their general exposure, where are they traveling, if at all, what are their exposure risks at home and at their home and community? Um, and the IDRIP has to be adjusted as time goes on based upon new information and new risk. We all know the basic policies, social policies and tools that we have in this situation, which is obviously cleaning the workplace, maintaining social distance uh, in uh, People in workspaces are putting in sort of plexiglass dividers, increasing space. Um, there's all the standard, uh, the standard policies and procedures that we know about. Those are just at a minimum. But we need to go beyond that in terms of also making sure that we balance workplace safety and privacy. So, for example, you cannot, uh, under the current employment law, disclose a medical condition of an employee to other people in your company. So the fact is, if I uh, test positive, I inform my workplace that I'm, you know, tested positive and I'm staying home or whatever, but I may have had exposure to other employees, 
there's an obligation on the employer part in that situation not to disclose, never to disclose my identity as the person who tested positive, but nonetheless to provide direction and uh, notify workspaces that there may be problems in this workspace area. You may have been exposed, so be careful with regard to that and take appropriate steps. We're also seeing that, uh, and it's very important in this because we're also seeing companies are also mandating testing. And uh, whether and if a company is going to do that, that requires careful counsel, how to do it, how to do it in a consistent way, and how to avoid the appearance of discrimination or disclosure of medical information. So the employee privacy, there are two important principles, laws that apply here, the Americans with Disability Act, which restricts uh, disclosure of confidential medical records, and the Family and Medical Leave Act, which bars disclosure of medical history information relating to an employee's eligibility for leave. The virtual workplaces also raise new risks uh, and the isolation uh, that comes with it. Uh, it's a challenge to ensure consistent contact. Isolation increases the risk of fraud. Uh, because it's harder to sort of uh, detect it, and also there more there's a greater motive for it, and more opportunities because people are having a hard time financially, and when that may happen, people may rationalize the need to engage in fraud or steal from the company. It's hard to regulate speech and behavior in the virtual workplace, uh, and you have to do a lot now to promote inclusiveness for meetings to reward positive behaviors and socializing rewards. Remember our fraud triangle has become definitely more uh, risky because of rationalization, opportunity, and pressure uh, for to engage in such um, uh, behavior. Another significant issue to look at is remote working and cybersecurity. As a result of remote working situations, Cyber and IT security risks have skyrocketed. We've already been hearing about increases in ransomware attacks, malware attacks, uh, and the lack of uniform security standards. You're working at home, let's say, and you use an unsecured Wi-Fi, uh, and as a result, there's uh, going to be more opportunities for increasing phishing attacks and ransomware attacks. Uh, training on phishing attacks and responding to that would be really important. Uh, obviously, reminding people about password security. So, uh, we've seen a huge amount of cyber attacks uh, and an increase in that uh, as well, and a DOJ uh, sort of uh, directive in that area. We, I mentioned earlier supply chain disruption assessment. This is a new and bigger risk because what happens is continuity or the ability to continue or the ability to provide products may depend upon onboarding new vendors or suppliers that are critical for your production purposes. Even in this context, it's important in my mind to maintain your consistent third-party risk requirements and to conduct your due diligence that is needed. Um, that's what's also uh, has to be done. And you need to engage uh, you can onboard it, you can prioritize the onboarding, but please make sure that you just don't go along and say, we've got to onboard this person. You may onboard them uh, at the end of the process, but you may um, adopt tighter controls to ensure that there are no problems. So expedite your onboarding for due diligence of third parties. 
uh, and expedite it in connection with supplier disruption issues that have come up. Okay, so let's go back now. We've talked about sort of these new uh, sort of dynamics that companies are facing, but what's going on in the enforcement area and how do we calculate that in this new risk profile? The DOJ priorities are very clear. They're pandemic fraud, uh, price gouging for designated medical items, antitrust uh, in terms of particularly in the medical uh, field or, pharma or, med or pharmaceuticals or medical devices, uh, fraud and false claims. And I'm going to mention one uh, other priority that's come out, and we've had two big food safety cases, which I think may be a precursor to workplace safety. We've seen some adjustment in DOJ's priorities in the FCPA because we've had no cases since the pandemic occurred. Uh, the SEC has brought two cases, one against the next Goldman um, executive, Goldman Sachs executive, and uh, involved with Ghana, and the other against the Italian oil company, ENI. Pandemic fraud is a big issue. The Justice Department has issued warnings and gone uh, and, and brought a, a number of cases. Cyber attacks, like I mentioned, have increased. Phishing and ransomware, fake cures and treatments, false solicitations for charities, and fake testing offers. Price gouging is perhaps the biggest issue right now, and it's not so much uh, because at the federal level, but state prosecution risks are more significant. They're fueled by consumer complaints. States are focused on prices, particularly for medical equipment, but uh, have gone to other essential items like food, uh, hand sanitizers, things like uh, that. We also have seen workplace safety uh, enforcement risks increase. Uh, although we haven't seen it so much at the federal level uh, because OSHA uh, has made it clear that uh, they're taking sort of a a little bit of a patient approach before they start holding people accountable. But uh, traditional enforcement right now is sort of relaxed on non-pandemic topics, but but the priority right now is for healthcare PPE, masks, gowns, uh, in the absence of training programs. Training is actually a, a pretty big priority that they've pointed out that we need to train workers on how to be safe in the workplace. So that's definitely a big issue. We've seen federal funds uh, and fraud risks are going to increase. Uh, you know, usually per year, it's about $3 billion in False Claims Act recoveries. Uh, you're going to see that double over the next couple of years as uh, companies are being prosecuted for um, False Claims Act claims with regard to, let's say, uh, the PPP program uh, and other types of uh, loans and uh, assurances that have been given out to uh, other com uh, to other companies. Uh, keep in mind and keep a watch on your Defense Production Act uh, that authorizes the president to basically prioritize contracts, adopt regulations for materials, goods, services necessary for national defense. On April 2nd, the president executed uh, the DPA with regard to 3M to produce and to require them to produce N95 masks. Another reminder, another adjustment that came out was from OFAC, and OFAC issued guidance on reassignment of compliance resources during the pandemic. And what they reminded everybody to do is to, if you're going to do that, 
It's got to be done on a risk-based reassessment in the pandemic area era. In other words, make sure your high-risk sanctioned candidates or sanctioned transactions are still being uh, processed uh, in the uh, typical way, uh, but you might see some sort of uh, reduction in efforts towards lower risk uh, candidates as well. Uh, also with regard to Commerce uh, Department licenses under the uh, Export Administration Regulations and ITAR from State Department, be careful about virtual sharing of controlled information such as drawings or data. Uh, products and technologies are still subject to EAR and ITAR, and uh, we have a lot of sharing going on on Zoom and sharing screens. Be careful because video sharing could be deemed an export, uh, deemed export requiring a license. Last point before we go on, what's going to happen with misconduct that occurs during this time period? Will the Justice Department, for example, if let's say we discover bribery that's occurring during this time period, foreign bribery in violation of the FCPA, will they cut us a break with regard to the pandemic era conduct? Uh, and I think that really depends on how it's handled. Uh, I do think prosecutors in a couple of years will have a short memory uh, and will be less forgiving. For right now, they're going to be forgiving, but I think they'll be less forgiving as time goes on and as we move past, let's say, uh, the pandemic in one way or another. So it's going to be an interesting sort of transition that occurs once uh, some part of the economy, a major part, becomes more normal uh, again. Anyway, just wanted to give that quick overview of where we are with regard to um, risks. Take a look at your new risk profile. Make sure that you um, reassess this as time goes on. I think it's going to mean uh, that there's going to be more attention paid to obviously health and safety issues, employee relations issues, uh, and safety is everything and trust has to go along with that to maintain the, the trust between the employees and the company and all the stakeholders, really. So we'll be back with another episode. Uh, hope everybody stays safe, stay healthy, uh, and we'll be back in touch. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliant services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com.
I just can't see You're so far away 